gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution you to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! Welcome in, Three Dudes with a View, Wednesday edition, middle of the week, folks. We are here. I am dude number three, Del Kennedy. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Del. I'm doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Clayton. Clayton, you driving the bus this morning? I was. I was. There we go. I was, uh, let's see, it was Monday night. I was doing uh, my grandson Samuels, or helping him with his homework. He's a kindergartner at Agathos. And, uh, <laughs> Keyword, homework in kindergarten. <laughs> they, they, they work them out now. They do? I mean, you know, one of his assignments was to just simply write a hundred words. He had to think of a hundred words and, and write a hundred words. Book report start in first grade. That's, uh, that's rigorous for a kindergartner, but he's... Man, he seems to be, you know, he's he, he he's happy. He's he's yeah. lapping it up. It, it's it's uh, we got the same experience. It's yeah, good. Yeah, it's all good. All right, dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How you doing, man? Good morning, Delk. Delk, you know how that works, huh? What's that? Second, second, and third generation is so much smarter than the first. Uh, there's something to that. <laughs> You're right. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, one of the things that's going on here, though, is... Did you know 100 words when you was in kindergarten? No. You probably knew two, blah, blah. Well, (laughs) Miss York, I don't even... I don't recall them even attempting... All right, okay. You don't recall. I don't either. I don't either. a long time ago. (laughs) I don't think we even did letters, numbers, or words in kindergarten back in my day. Uh I, all I can remember to do is arts and crafts projects and drinking a lot of milk. <laughs> color, color between the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wait for lunchtime, huh? I, that's basically all. Yeah, that's all I remember. Of course, that was a different era. My kindergarten was actually at the First Presbyterian Church. I don't think there were any public kindergartens. At yeah. That. Well, when I was in kindergarten, we went to we went to noon. Uh, we, yeah, we went to noon. It was just a half a day deal. It was more of a playtime kind of That's, thing. Yes. Uh, it was just kind of getting acclimated with being around other kids and, and being in a school setting, not not what they're doing over there. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah, I can but, remember that. You the... know, they didn't have all the research in either back in those days, you know, uh, that kids learn more between the ages of uh, five, five and eight. Then they learn their whole lifetime. The I, capacity I, and ability to learn during that period is wide open for kids. You know, I I would even roll it back earlier than five. Uh, but uh, yes, it's you're right. Things things have changed, and uh, it was a pleasure to spend the evening with my grandson and and uh, see the bulbs come on, you know. It was, it was a big time. What, Coach Mike Lyle's on yeah. the board this morning. What? Yeah, I just remember we were talking about remembering kindergarten. I remember the one the one big lesson I learned was how to tie my shoes. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the teacher had a pair of tennis shoes nailed onto a board that she put in her lap, 
and demonstrated and then she brought the board around to each one of us and we each had to tie our shoes tie the shoes while we were while she was you know talking us through it and then we then we uh sat down on the floor and tied our own sho- you know untied and tied our own shoes uh that that for some reason that lesson stuck sticks out in my mind it's the only thing i remember about kindergarten there we go yeah <laughs> it was a little while back uh debbie matthews folks is uh is is not feeling well today she so she won't be with us as she usually is on wednesdays and thursdays and it sort of sounds like she probably won't be back with us again until next week um she but she's fine she's gonna be fine she's got she's always had recurring hip problems and i think she went to the doctor and they did something to try to help her with her hip but she'll she'll be fine she just uh is not up to getting up and walking around today um all right, right here. Clayton's just handed me this. I didn't think this kind of thing had gotten to Columbia. Uh, right here in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, the Mule Day pageant rules state that in order to be a candidate for a Mule Day queen, the candidate must be a natural-born female. The LBGTQ people on Facebook are going crazy. Uh and I don't know if that's uh, local. If this local, uh, to my understanding, yes, it is uh, local. Local, chapter. yeah. So, how many of them want to be in the Mule Day? I, I, you know, that's a, that's a great question. There's a forty dollar entry fee, so you know. Uh, how, how is the Mule Day Queen selected? By a panel, a judges. By a panel of judges. Panel, yeah. It's 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 a typical like beauty, a beauty queen. Panel. Yeah, you walk out on stage and twirl around a couple of times i think you got a few questions you got to answer uh i think maybe there's one or two outfit changes i'm not sure but i mean it's it's a typical beauty pageant well you know if some drag queen wants to enter the mule day pageant then you know i let it be i i mean but this is usually like a teenage yeah this is kids through teenagers type deal so i mean i mean I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, I, I'm not so sure I'm opposed to a drag queen entering the pageant. Uh, you know, what What the next shoe to fall, though, is because, you know, the, uh, when the ugly dude uh, dressed in drag is not selected because he's got a beard and right. he got the ugly smoke. Well, I may have a small problem with, you know, if, if, if I, you know, for uh, this would be, hypothetical now in my family but uh i think i'd have a, a more than a small problem with a one of those dudes in the dressing area with my daughter well i get that now, that's a whole nother discussion well that's right that's now. part that's part of it though it's <laughs> yeah i mean right now we're talking well, about they can go to a separate dressing room and change mate yeah yeah but right now we're talking about you know an entry on stage for mm-hmm. uh queen and uh like I said, but the the next thing to fall though is when the judges you know see that ugly mug with a beard on it and uh, don't vote for it, then they're going to be accused of discrimination. And what if they do? What if they do vote for it? What is that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. what, what well, kind of reaction does that had, draw? Well, you across know, the state we've had homecoming queen homecoming queens that are transgender. You know, at high schools. 
I mean, think of places like New Orleans. I imagine some drag queen is is the queen of half the Mardi Gras cruise. You know, they it, New Orleans it could lead care. it could they lead to a big party. Live their life, man. They don't care. They just go down to Bourbon Street and drink all the the liquor that they can consume. Yeah, well, that's my point, Mr. York. <laughs> they uh, uh, they don't know. care what you wear. You know, I mean, you you know, I was riding well, on the ferry wear. going over to the to the. Uh, well, I mean, that's my point. New Orleans, and there was two two people embraced of the same sex, and nobody got a, crazy. I got off the, the ferry and walked, and then I saw two guys holding hands walking down the street. I didn't care. I wasn't with them. You know? I mean, I fairly regularly see that right here in Columbia. I don't I don't care. Nobody don't else. Don't bother me. Nobody. I never. I never have seen a reaction by anybody, or that you know. I, I mean, that, but that was my whole point, Miss York. I mean, like I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You know, Mardi Gras is a damn good party. Mule Day might uh, get even more fun. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Delk, Delk, since you and Clayton had that incident with the with the nudity on on the show, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, Le- Laverne, Laverne had a big problem over there. They had girls going wild on boats. The police department, they had a, a, a person in the police department that was letting everybody have pleasure with her and all that. They got a big stink going over in Laverne. Well, right? that's been going on. Now, I don't know about the police officers, but. That, yeah, that, that that happened the other day. They they investigated and found there was one police officer that was sharing her wealth with all the police officers at the police station. And then she went on a boat, uh, a boat that uh, they had a party, and it was girls gone wild. One yeah. of them say her top came off, and that was it. Well, that... Boy, the Internet really killed that deal. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, no, go ahead, Clayton. What, what's your thought? No, I mean, that's just, I, that's the first I've heard of that. That's, uh... Yeah, that was on the news, though. Well, it was on, on the news from Laverne. A Percy Priest Lake has always been known for its wild boat parties with nude girls, and that's been going on for 35, 40 years, you know. Yeah, but not in the police department having all this well, shenanigans no. going on between officers. No. It was like five of them involved in it. I, I do, I do remember, uh, you know, when I was in school in Knoxville, an incident there in the firehouse where uh, they had a couple of girls in there. The firemen were having a a, a, a big day. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sure. laughs> and, you know, it's, these things happen. Uh, these yeah, things- so drag, you know, if people want to be dragged, they want to be dragged. I mean, you're not, one person or a group of people are not going to stop people from doing what they want to do and who they want to be. So, you know, I'm live and let live. Don't nobody tell me what I need to do, and I'm not going to get in your personal business. I'm not going in your bedroom to tell you what to do. I, you know, Mr. York, I think I've been saying I don't necessarily have a problem with what you're saying. Uh and uh, like I said, the Mule Day is already a pretty good party, but we start getting a little more excitement in there. It could even be a better party. So uh, the biggest party is at the Titan State Stadium on Sundays, though. Dealt when them girls in them booty shorts be shaking and all the kids running around and stuff, and don't nobody complain about that. No, I, you know. Is that teaching the kids bad morals? All that flesh floating around like that? I I think your point's well taken. Now there, you know there there limits there. There are limits, but certainly the 
uh, Titans girls make the football game more fun and make it more of a, an event with a little more excitement and that kind of thing. It's all good. Yeah, you don't have to do much guessing either. You know, they're so short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, we're off to a great, great start here. <laughs> yeah, my phone is blowing up. I mean, this is fantastic. I, 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 I while the, while we're on this subject, though, I have got a bone to pick. And with modern day movies, okay, because you 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 you'll, you'll turn on a movie and it'll go this movie rated R because of smoking and language. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I mean yeah. this is ridiculous. I mean, why why what language or smoking to a, exposed to a seventeen year old that they haven't possibly heard already or seen already? You know, back in my day, I mean, if if it was rated R. You were going to see one of two things. You were going to see some titties, or you were going to see you were going to see a hundred people. Breast, Dale. Breast is the correct word. Breast. Well, you're going to see some whatever, but breast. Are you? Are you going to see at least a hundred people killed in the first five minutes? Or the f bomb was going to use, get used yeah. every other word. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let's get our movies back to what our movies are supposed to be. By George, it's just ridiculous. Let's take a break and come back. It's like the game of football. It's gotten soft. Motor Sales is Middle Tennessee's home for the best GMC vehicles on the market. Visit Parks at 919 Nashville Highway and test drive truck favorites like the GMC Sierra or Canyon. Or try a popular SUV like the GMC Acadia or Terrain. Parks also has a wide variety of certified pre-owned vehicles for every need. At ParksMotorsales.com, you'll see an extensive inventory, their latest deals, and servicing options. Shop Parks Motor Sales once and you'll agree. Parks, GMC, we are professional grade. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about composery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. 
For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, memsmodernlandscape.com. That's memsmodernlandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Is your family looking for a new primary health care provider, or did you wake up feeling poorly? Give Northside Medical Professionals a call. We also have facial gift cards available for Christmas gifts. We have two Columbia locations to serve you on Nashville Highway and Trotwood Avenue. We have same-day walk-in spots available, and we are taking new patients. Our caring staff is ready to help you with all your health care needs. Call 540-4210 or visit northsidemedicalprofessionals.com today. Welcome back to Three Dudes with a View. My name is Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three, dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? I'm doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How you doing? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody out there in Radio Land. What a popping discussion we have in this morning. <laughs> well, Clayton's <laughs> phone has been blowing up. Clayton, while protecting the, inno- the names of the innocent, uh, what kind of commentary we are you getting over there? Or some of it's just not even radio friendly, but um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's there's some good stuff uh, being said. Um, yeah, there's some things I don't I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but uh, they're they're having a good time listening to our show this morning. <laughs> I'll put it to you that way. Well, oh. I hate to repeat what Archie Bunker used to say, but he used to tell his daughter she was getting ready to go out and she had a real little short dress. That was during a miniskirt time. He said, girl, you wearing a a, a, a a garment that used to be secrets and ain't no secrets no more when you're wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a whole other subject. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, though, I mean... I mean, I do recognize that uh, there's a portion of the community that, uh, well, there are portions of the community that advocate for, you know, drag queens, and there are uh, portions of the community that don't uh, and are adamantly opposed uh, 
some uh, usually couch probably in religious reasons i it's not in you know like i said i'm episcopalian it's not in my bible but uh the uh and it's just you know we we got well, it seems like there's we people got people that wants to impose their personal morals on everybody else. Dale. That's what gets us in trouble. And, and, you know, you have your own morals. You train your kids. And, and those folks that train their children, train their, you know, deal with their family, most of the time they're successful and not going astray. But you don't have to go around thumping documents and putting it in people's face. Uh, as if they're going to cater to what you want, that that even builds up more resistance sometimes. So, well, as fractured, live as, let live. It seems like you know, as fractured as we are, as divided as we are in America today, it. Um, well, it just it seems like. But more. you got to live your life the way you see fit. Now, it might be right, might be wrong. It may not fit my gauge. May not fit anybody else's gauge. But you, an adult. You're supposed to be of sane mind, and you're gonna live your life the way you want to. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Clayton. It, well, I was gonna say, my grandparents uh, were a lot older when I was a kid, um, and uh, most of the, 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 they, they were all gone by the time I was a senior in high school, and um, uh, they had passed away in the nineties um, and uh, mid nineties. My grandmother passed away, and I've often thought. What would they think if they were alive today and see, and they were part of that World War II generation, and, and, and there's still a few of them still left, uh, but what would they think of our society today? And I'm telling you, I think they would think, this is crazy. I mean, you, you look at where we've come in that short amount of time uh, as a society, um, I mean, I, it's unbelievable, Delk. I oh, mean, well. it's it's really, since... Since it, I was a kid, it's so, changed. That, that my, I lost all my grandparents from the time I was eight. Oh wow! And uh, my the only one I really remember, you know, did a lot with was my granddad, John Finney, who uh, actually served as a sailor in the first war and uh, World War One. He was a sailor uh, in the U.S. Navy, and uh, but. A good party. I mean, I don't know it, but I know it. A good party with a cigar and a bottle of whiskey and a drag queen. He'd have loved it, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a sailor by nature. Uh-huh, now you know uh-huh. we love a good party. Uh huh. Uh, but but you know the whole thing is that they experience it, and those folks that understand life knows that life changes. Clayton, your your grandparents knew life changes. And if they were here today, they'd probably make those adjustments. I see. A, I knew. A, I know a lot of older people, and they're making adjustments to the society. Now they may not agree with everything, but they're not going to start protesting down in front of the courthouse. They just live their life and let other people live theirs. Yeah, I tell you what, my granddaddy just would not understand though. Is uh, I mean, he died right before the great 1965, before the great civil rights movement, and. Um, you know, I I know it. I know that my I don't know it, but I know it. I know that my granddaddy thought that reforms needed to be had, uh, and uh, that black people needed to be given the same opportunities, the same status in society as anybody else. Uh, 
what he wouldn't understand is today is that we did that and yet it's not enough uh it's never enough never never and we're still if we're republicans we're white supremacists uh and uh uh so but Delk, there is no gauge for freedom there is no gauge well, that any man on this earth can put on freedom for another individual well i i mean i the now you may not like it but that's you know that's an individual freedom, right that freedom we to do all what, enjoy take everything i have no nobody's taking anything from you Rep seven hundred eighty thousand dollars in reparations a piece. I want to be. I want to be able to do the things I want to do. I want to be able to live, go to school, enjoy the quality of life than anybody else. That's been accomplished, Mister Yor. No, that hasn't. We got three hundred and thirty thousand people in this state that can't get decent health care. Well, Mr. York, that's that. I imagine half of them are white, and that's it's not, it's it's it, more than half are Caucasian. I mean, that's not a race issue. It is a race issue when you look at it. What's it half? Because of them are they white. don't want other people of different views to have good health care, so they make they they penalize the majority of society. Well, see, that's what my granddaddy just wouldn't understand. I mean, this is a social issue. It's not a race issue. Uh and it has to do with uh you know the uh, the amount of transfer payments that are made uh through uh legislative action. And of course the amount of you know so if you're debating about the amount of transfer payments to address a social issue that's a complicated issue, and it's not a race issue. Uh, it, you know, I mean, what, to, to say that all black people have got to have free health care to have equality in society. No, I'm not saying every, everybody in the state, the folks that are in poverty, that can't afford health care, if this governor would just accept ACA, they would they would not go hungry. Some of them are going hungry. I know some senior citizens, when I was on the aging disability that were going hungry because they couldn't they had to buy medicine to live you're, you're and that's happening across the state and, and in many states and and, and I, you know many of them are red states Dell uh, Miss York I mean you're conflating a, a social issue with a race issue now you know we nobody wants seniors to go hungry but even when you even categorize it as a race issue, you know my my ears just start shutting. I don't want to pay. T- I know you shut down. You shut down when anything about race hits hits those no, ears. No, but I mean, why but categorize the bottom it? Line, why, the bottom why, line. Why categorize it as a race issue? Because that just immediately alienates. You know, you're calling. I know it alienates a lot of people. But then why do the it? Truth. Why not just talk about it's, hungry seniors? Well, it's it's the truth. I mean, you started off about, you know, the black and white thing, but I'm saying it's more than that. The bottom line is a lot of policies that exist have racial connotations to them. Uh, you know, here we got and, this. And it, and, it create, and it creates a problem in society, but nobody wants to address it, just like the immigration policy. Nobody wants to immigrate. Biden has had a program for immigration up there for, for years. For the years he's been in office and nobody wants to address it but many of the policies that are established again you're talking about social issues you know are are more more migration less migration you know this is not about race i mean that's just 
the whole immigration issue is about race. Dell is about brown people. Uh, you know, I finally this country. It took me a year and a half to to for me to realize that that's what you thought that it was about race because they're brown people, and that that is just so untrue, so ridiculous that it just shows me that that you look at everything through the lens of race and you know i I promise you i'm a safe zone mr york you know i'm an old white guy um if if uh if anybody may be safe i'm not saying i'm not accusing i mean if anybody wants to talk about those damn anybody want to talk about those damn brown people they they would feel free by looking at me to do it and i've never heard that I, that's that 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 concept is so false and unreal. It took me a year and a half to figure out what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, you know, it, basically, a lot of things we can look at a lot of policies across this nation, and and the bottom line is that there are some racial implications in how the policies are set. You know, we talked well, about the this bottom, long The bottom time line ago. is... Interstates, interstates ran right through major black communities before in the 50s when they were developed. Why did they do it? They split the communities up. The communities were thriving. They had stores. They had businesses. Run the interstate through it, and they did break all that up. That's federal government. That's federal government. Those communities are gone now anyway, even if they didn't have an interstate run through them. You know... Uh, and yeah, that's a. It, I, I picked up on that vibe here locally when we were talking about, and I'm I I fully support the the East Eighth Street project and uh, the memorials there and and the uh, the desire that uh, some in this community have to show that you know for the first time black people resisted, they fought back. That's an important part of our legacy. It's important to a lot of people, and I. I'm thrilled about the idea of this East 8th Street Memorial Project, uh, which centers around the events of 1946 and what's commonly known as the race riots, and where black people, to some degree, took things into their own hands, and a national debate was started probably right here in Columbia about uh, segregation and equality of equal opportunity equal opportunity for education for black people it it's a good thing and it's time that columbia did something like that to remember it however i heard several remarks about uh you know that that there no that used to be the black business district in columbia several remarks about well you know the black business district is no longer there and the implication being that it's because it was it's no longer there because they were black business people well let's newsflash folks remember the 1960s the white businesses in downtown columbia vanished and went out of business walmart big k all those people came to town walgreens and they knocked the little mom and pops out of business whether they were black or white there's nothing racial about it uh, no, businesses change. You know, the, the market uh, market demands cause businesses to exist, and market decline cause businesses to go out of business. I, you know, I wish we cycle. still did have those black businesses. But you know why they went out of business? Because black people quit doing business with them. That's uh, that's why they went out of business, and it's a shame. And I'm I'm uh, I'm. Well, it shouldn't be. It's uh, you know, black people. It, when you run a business, you ought to look at patrons from from any ethnic group and be able to serve them. If you say, 
black business went out of business because black people didn't do business with them. And what about the Caucasians that didn't do business with them? You well, know, that, so it's an equal I mean, opportunity. I, yes, absolutely. The reason the downtown business went out of business is because black and white took their business out to the edge of town where you had a big K mm-hmm. or a, a, a new Kroger and it, it was cheaper and there was plenty of parking. You know, that uh, that happened across the board. But if you got a good business, you know, that like the cigar guy, guy that runs the cigar store down downtown, he he has a good business. He has a market that's in demand, and people go by and, and buy cigars the, and have a smoke. One of the miracles of Columbia in the last few years is all of a sudden the downtown has come back with a lot of mom-and-pop businesses. And I, I hope and pray that the same thing is going to happen down on uh, East 8th Street with some black-owned businesses. I think it will, you know. I but, think there's a know, good chance, yeah. If, if there's support for black businesses, then then the community can rally around and and and, and do business with them. But when there's no support and no, there's no opportunity to start a business, then that makes it very difficult for black folks because they don't have the necessary capital a lot of times. Well, <clears throat> you know, again, I... I, I now you know it is it is true you know the bank wants to always see your balance sheet yeah. uh and whether you're black or but, white yeah but on the other hand i i remember when uh i had a I have a relative that was in banking business del and and this yeah you know he reflect to me doing the crunch in what in the in the earth in the doing the uh the debacle 2008 2009 there were Caucasians who had made loans to the bank and they just flat come in and told the banker that they couldn't pay it and they had bought a lot of equipment and everything and they just turned everything back over to the and there was no repercussions to any any of the, the guys that ran the, the business and then a couple of years after that passed they came back to the bank and got another loan so you know the equality in giving loans and providing assistance to people who want to do business a lot of times it's not equal you know again you just see everything in terms of race and well i'm just telling you what happens you know well, you can say it's you, race or not race it's because but, of race that happened with black people too who had loans uh and it's i'll tell you on the other side it's pretty simple it was a widespread practice for all lenders and borrowers uh in 08 and i'll tell you exactly why i've been in it it, again everything's not about race this is about green and and banks when when a when a person has a business and he goes out of business the bank is not getting any green and they write it off. Correct. And then no, the person no. is the person is back within five years, make another loan, and has no problem getting money. That's not uncommon, and it has nothing to do with race. It has to do about business and uh, what's reasonably calculated to make money. Let's take a break and come back. This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
Ram owners know tough, and they know what they want. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us to have a huge inventory. Call or stop by to talk to one of our Jeep or Ram product specialists, and we will help you build your dream ride. You can count on us. Choose a 1500, 2500, or 3500. Pick the power, options, even the color you want. Buy online and save time with our online shopping tool. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. I received this beautiful ring, but it needs to be sized. Where should I go? Tillis Jewelry, of course. We will be happy to size your ring no matter where it was purchased. Each of our goldsmiths have over 30 years' experience. Tillis Jewelry's repair shop is in-store and always on time. Stop by and let us give you a free estimate today. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia and Lewisburg. Owned and operated by Rick, custom designer, and Terry, registered gemologist. Assuring you the best jewelry value and expert services. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Kick off the new year with new home upgrades from Hiller. This month, when you buy something you need for your home, we'll give you something you want. For a limited time, when you purchase a new whole home generator, new tankless water heater, or select new HVAC systems, we'll give you a free 55-inch TV, free solo smokeless stove, or a free Nintendo Switch. Pick your prize when you upgrade essential systems for your home. Don't wait. Book online at happyhiller.com today. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care. The sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. 
Welcome back. Three dudes with a view. My name is Del Kennedy. Dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? I'm doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How you doing? Good morning, Del. The aircraft are flying again, my friend. Yes, sir. Man. Because no tams are down, and I'm I'm a pilot. Those are notices to airmen, and... You know, they're usually just stuff like, you know, construction on runway three right, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess where airliners are concerned, that's, you know, I never check the doggone things. If I flew somewhere and all of a sudden there was construction on run, runway three right, I landed on another runway, you know. But, yeah, but Delk, you didn't have 198 people on your plane, though. Point well taken. They're trying to be safe. You know, is this safe the first is point, this, point well taken, Mr. York? Is this the first time the FAA has shut down all travel? No, nine eleven since nine eleven. Nine eleven. So it's been about twenty one or yeah, twenty one years. Yeah, they took them out of the sky. This only lasted an hour. It was three or four days. Uh, man, I remember sitting there in downtown Nashville just watching the airliners just come down, down one after another on nine eleven. Now in, inbound is going to be okay for foreign flights. They didn't stop those. Uh, you know, but well, they could, anything they could, locally. Yeah, they could manually get them. I mean, you know, actually speak to them on the radio. There's so few uh-huh. of them instead of having a computer-generated notice to airmen. But let me talk about what you're talking about, Mr. York, what happened in 2008 between lenders and borrowers. Uh, and it's just got nothing to do with race. And that's just what would confound my granddaddy. I mean, the... Uh, uh, these I, I know, for instance, of, of a commercial... You know, a fellow here in Columbia who owned uh, a good number of commercial properties and was heavily indebted to a local bank for, you know, when he had purchased them and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, 2008 hit, and he didn't have enough cash flow to make uh, his bank payments. And so instead of waiting on the bank to foreclose, uh, he just brought the keys to all of his properties in and laid them on his banker's desk and goes... You know, I, I can't do it here. Take your properties, you know, and uh, that you, you know, foreclose. If you don't have to foreclose, here's the keys. And uh, the bank, now think about the bank in this position, Mr. York. The bank goes, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we don't really want those keys. Now, <laughs> the, and the reason is, you know, what, if the bank takes keys and sells the properties in, a, in such a messed up market, they're going to take a huge loss. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're going to yeah. take a huge loss. Or if they just take possession of the properties, who's who's going to run the? You're going to have to hire a professional manager to run the properties. And who, mm-hmm. you know, in most cases, who better knows how to run the properties than the fellow who's been running them? You know, now you've got some that, you know, mismanage, but... In this case, you know, the, the, you got a professional manager who knows what he's doing, and he's available for free. And so what you do, though, now the, the bank does eventually get paid. You know, they, they forego on their payments or interest for a period of time, and then when times get better, then the uh, borrower, in this case, makes it back up to them, you know, when the market got better and 10, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, and then, yeah, then... He had made good on his his on the so he had cut a new deal with the bank. He made good on it, and so he was he was good credit for another loan. And that happened with black and white all over this country in two thousand eight. But but Dell, what what you have described is simply didn't happen to you know you said you didn't know any black farmers. 
That's what happened to black farmers across this country. Let me take exactly what you described because they did just the opposite. They took their property. They didn't they didn't say, hey, uh, go ahead and farm another year and make you make you you might make a profit. They confiscated their property and wouldn't give them any loans. I'm not familiar with that, that but that I will tell big, you a, that is the big issue that's being fought as of today. I will tell you a tale that happened and again my grandfather would be flummoxed at this a tale that happened under the Obama administration in which I was directly involved involving black farmers as an assistant U.S. attorney I was working with the Muscle Shoals uh, uh, Office of Legal Counsel for the United States Department of Agriculture now everybody who's involved in this tale is retired now and I won't mention any names but uh what you and I'm not familiar with any foreclosure situations. What I am familiar with is that you had a number of black farmers claiming that in the sixties and seventies that their their allegation was that they were denied farm loans because they were black. Uh and most of them were rejected because they just they had no documentation and the USDA couldn't find any documentation. Nobody had any documentation that that these farmers had ever even applied for a loan. They couldn't produce it themselves, and the USDA couldn't find it in their records. And so, Isn't that convenient? Isn't well, that convenient, though? Mr. York, don't you keep copies of your loan papers when on your house payments and mortgage payments? Shouldn't or, the government have copies of them, too? Well, both of you should. But, I mean, both the borrower and the lender should have copies. But the, oh, go ahead. I go ahead with the story. I'm neither, sorry. The the borrowers, you know, the borrowers said, "Yeah, we did it," and the government said, "No, we don't think you did because we don't have a record." And you know, but if you got a record, we'll consider it. And they didn't have any record, so that raised a big stink. And so the black farmers were just allowed to sign an affidavit saying that in 1972 I applied for a loan of you know three hundred thousand dollars. So they accepted their applications for for uh for a compensation or redress uh just simply based on no documents but an affidavit well the the uh legal counsel's office uh and through their and their field offices did investigations and those were four billion dollars worth of claims across the southeast four billion dollars worth of claims from black farmers across the southeast and uh, so they sent their investigators out into the field, and you know I'm sure I know many of them were black investigators. I, there's no all white USDA. I mean, government agencies are heavily populated with with uh, minorities is not the right word anymore, but people who aren't white. And uh, and they did investigations, and they could not find any evidence that any farmer black farmer had failed that had been discriminated uh against because of race uh they they just couldn't they couldn't find any evidence that anybody had denied a black farmer alone because of his or her race i go on mr york remember i hadn't finished but yet. Now, there is a pending there's a there's a pending payment of $50 billion that Caucasian farmers have blocked because of what of, of 
of discrimination I, I against black farmers I, I, I right now, today. I, I don't know anything about that, but I'm suspicious of it well, because well, of my experience. Pending. It's still pending I'm, today. I'm, well, let me tell you why I'm suspicious. Let me finish my tale and tell you why I'm suspicious of that. This is okay. one I actually know about because I, I participated in it. And so they, the, these reports for these $4 billion worth of claims in the southeastern United States, which is the you know the muscle shells office uh was the uh, you know was the lead agency for the united states department of agriculture in the southeast and so they they go out and they can't find any evidence that any black farmer was denied a loan because of his or her race they were and as government do they wrote up a full and lengthy report on that with each case and their analysis and the evidence and everything else sent it up to washington and the Obama administration said, no, that's not right. Said uh, every, every one of these uh, black farmers was discriminated against, said, uh, pay them. And uh, so what the Muscle Shoals office then had to do is to pay these claims despite any evidence that uh, black farmers were discriminated against. But if you're going to pay them, you know, what's the damages? You know, it, it, what what would they have done with the money if they had gotten it? You know, would they would they have done well, made more money, which is what you would hope. But so they sent the investigators out into the field again. And again, this wasn't a bunch of white guys. And, uh, and you know, dug deeply into each loan application. And the the answer came back that that every one of these black farmers had they had gotten the loan would have defaulted they simply didn't and in in the farming environment in the 70s every one of the white farmers who got a loan you know defaulted they did this they, they, agriculture uh poverty was an equal opportunity employer back in the 70s and still really mostly is today in most parts of the country and uh i said every one of these black farmers had they gotten the loan would have defaulted so there are no damages and uh you know they they wouldn't have invested and made another million dollars or whatever so they sent that up to washington with a full report you know one of these things that's indexed and 10 inches thick and all that kind of thing and the obama administration gets back to them and says nope said no no you're absolutely wrong uh they wouldn't they wouldn't have defaulted pay them and so what what muscle shoals legal counsel had office had they paid out four billion dollars and they had to pay it out by just just they had to just pay let's make a deal because there was no measure of damages they just go you know will you take two hundred thousand you know and guy go well i'll sell it for 250 i mean it's just let's make a deal and uh, paid out four billion dollars. So I'm, you know, you now you've got the Biden administration. You got this crazy senator from Georgia wanting to pay out fifty billion more. When you know, and again, that's another thing that's that started this conversation today with the black movement. It just seems like it's never enough. You know, we but, paid them four. Dale, we paid them four billion in two thousand ten, and now they want another fifty billion come 2022 it's never enough that was during trump's administration that you know 
that that this 50 billion was awarded to farmers and during the Trump administration there was a lawsuit filed by Caucasian farmers blocking it said that uh they were discriminated against but I'm I'm going to try to Mr. York, do I don't know anything about that for, but I'm, no, I'm no, going to do no, a little research no, no. there's some farmers over no, in East no, let West me tell Tennessee no I don't know anything about what you're talking about but white farmers would have no standing whatsoever to block payments to black farmers that simply the black farmers could the white farmers could say yeah me too i didn't get my i didn't get what i was supposed to get but they can't sue they have no standing to, to stop, sue, the, to government, stop yeah. the government from paying uh black black farmers that is legally impossible mr york no, that that's a pending Ms. York, that is legally impossible, and I don't know whether you're getting misinformation or whether you just don't understand what you're reading. But that simply, I mean, even that, even a first year law student knows that that just cannot be done. It's not legally possible. Well, I'll find out, Del, and I'll get back to I you. I can't wait. In a text. All right, all right. I'll find out who's holding up that lawsuit to pay those well, black the, farmers. And I'm going to check with the black farmer out in Mason, Tennessee, see if he's a party to that lawsuit. Well, that last thing you sent me about a lawsuit, you said that black people have been discriminated against in getting money or loans or something. And I read through it end to end, and it simply didn't say that. Well, the the farmer that was applying for a loan, they said that she wasn't qualified to apply for a loan because she hadn't been in the farming business. Well, first She's of been all, in the farming loan, business all her life. First of all, the loans hadn't been denied, and they. Uh, oh, yeah, that was that crazy thing in West Tennessee where you. Yeah, at Mason, Tennessee. But there was absolutely no allegation of discrimination in that lawsuit. Well, that they're they're filing a lawsuit for discrimination. Black people filed a lawsuit, but they did not allege they had been discriminated against. And you, that you sent that to me as uh, you know black discrimination.